I better stop right there. My, it's just too easy. It's just too easy. Uh, we need to go straight to Scripture. Will you stand with me, please? <laughs> and we're going to read uh, the first eight verses in the third chapter of John. Read with me. Now there was a man named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the miracle signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So, Father, we take your word and we're asking you to make it real within our hearts, Father. Help us to understand by the power of the Spirit, Lord. Pierce our hearts, direct us towards you, and guide our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, after I finished my uh, dinner theater career at 17, <laughs> otherwise known as high school, I went to the University of Detroit, and I went for one semester, and I came home, and I told my parents, um, I don't want to go back. I don't enjoy school. Um, I didn't tell them this, but they knew it. I was just interested in girls and motorcycles. And so... Um, they were real disappointed because nobody in our family had ever gone to college. And so uh, my dad said, okay, well, it's your choice. Uh, I expect you to have a job next week. And he didn't have to explain it. You know, I was working then as a part-time in a supermarket and produce department to uh, help pay for gas and things like that. But uh, he didn't help me. He knew a bunch of people, but he wouldn't even help me get a job. You're going to make decisions like this? You know, stand up on your own two feet. So I thought, well, what is my skill set here? And that was a short uh, session. <laughs> so I um, decided I didn't want to work inside. I wanted to work outside, and I wanted some steady employment. And I thought, well, I'll work for the phone company. I'll be a lineman. You know, climbing poles, pulling wire, and being outside, that sounds great, wearing leather boots and stuff with spikes in them. And so I um, put my suit on, as you did back in those days, and, and got on the bus and uh, took the bus into the heart of Detroit, into the business district and all these skyscrapers and bigger buildings there, and went into the phone company there, and I made an application and they took me in and gave me some test and that, and I thought I did pretty good. And then a fellow asked me into his office to interview me and, uh, and about being a lineman and, and working on things like that. Uh, here I am, this brilliant 18-year-old. And uh, I thought I was doing pretty well until he put out on his desk this big bundle of wires. And he said, do you think you can handle this and put these together? And, and that, and I said, sure, I can do that, I can do that. And he said, what color are they? And uh, how do you connect these? And I could tell the yellows, and the black, and the white, and the blue, and then everything else looked the same. I couldn't tell the difference between dark red and dark green, dark brown, dark gray, they all looked the same. And then some of the wires had two colors on them that they mixed together in some demonic atmosphere. <laughs> and some of the wires, I couldn't see the second color on the wire. You see, I was colorblind, obviously. I did not have the ability to see. I couldn't pick them out. 
Therefore, I didn't have the ability to be a lineman for the phone company. And the population of Detroit would be thrilled with that, that they didn't turn me loose <laughs> on the wires. Um, and so I tried to fake it, and the guy knew I was faking the colors, trying to guess what they were. And he said, I got a job for you. And the next week, I started in the mailroom. <laughs> I sorted mail and delivered mail all over, walking in downtown Detroit. They had offices all over Detroit. And I handed out mail and sorted it. And, um, but I achieved one of my goals in life. I borrowed money from the phone credit union and bought a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, my parents were thrilled with that. Here they are, their intelligent young man is uh, riding a motorcycle and working in the mailroom. He's got a bright future here. And uh, I guess it was deliverance ministry I had, but that's another story. And moving right along, I, but seeing guys quite a bit older than me still working in the mailroom, and I was making, I think, a big $65 a week, I said, I got to go back to school. And I did. Um, and my, my dad just kind of smiled at me when I said, I think I'm going to go back to school. I said, well, that's probably a good choice. <laughs> and then I bought a bigger motorcycle. But that's... Uh, uh, I did not have the ability, as much as I wanted to, to ever become an alignment. I couldn't see the colors. Totally blind to it. No ability to pick it up. They couldn't teach me how to read the book. If anything, I'd have had to have eye transplants <laughs> or something. It just was not going to happen. Not at all. Nicodemus comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus, who knows the law, who's one of the rulers in the Sanhedrin in the Jewish council. And he comes to Jesus and he says, these things that you're doing are miraculous. You've got to be from God. Are you from God? Are you really from God? Nobody else can do these things. There's nobody else on the planet that can do these things, but you're doing them. Are you from God? And Jesus gives this one wonderful answer to Nicodemus because Nicodemus could only, only judge things from an earthly point of view because he was a flesh and blood man. He was not a heavenly man. He was not a forgiven man. He was not a redeemed man. He was an earthly man born into sin and it could only see what his physical eyes could see. When we think about God's love, we can't really put it in human terms to describe it. I saw this one that talked about love and about God's love, and it says this word love is the characteristic word of Christianity, and it is. That word should be really related to us. When people think Christians, they should think love. The characteristic word of Christianity, and since the spirit of revelation has used it to express ideas Previously unknown. Previously unknown. God had to reveal his love to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had to give the people the ability to be able to see that love through be, by giving him his very spirit, the Holy Spirit that he does when we're saved, when we're born again. And Nicodemus is struggling to try to understand what Jesus is talking about here. How can a man be born again? I don't get, do I enter again in my, into my mother's womb a second time and born again? How can this be? How can it happen? All the time thinking, I think this guy's from God. The way he's living. The miraculous things that are happening. This great teaching, obviously, that he was given. How can we do that? And Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you shouldn't be surprised at this at all. You can't understand it in the condition you are in right now. Why are you surprised when I'm telling you, you have to be born again? You've got to be a new creature. You've got to have something different happen to you. You can't do it as an earthly man. And I'm the one that has come from the Father to do it for you. You've got to be born again. Nicodemus, things are going to change if you'll believe. That's the only way. And then he goes on to explain it. 
And he talks about being born again and about the wind. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. With every single person that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, God gives the Holy Spirit as the earnest, the first promise to be fulfilled, showing you that he's going to fulfill every single promise. He says, I'm going to seal you with my Spirit. God gives us the ability to do everything he asks us to do. God would be a cruel God to ask us to do something that he knew we couldn't do. Could you see me up on the top of a 30-foot pole trying to splice some wires together? And they're red and they're green, and I'm guessing and I'm not getting them right and the phones are not working, and all I do is have a supervisor on the ground that just constantly said, come on, get it right, do this, get it, get it done, do it, do it, do it. No. What would you do in a situation like that? It's so hard to admit, I can't do it. We usually react in anger, jump on the people, do all kinds of different things. But Jesus says, for you to be born again, it's going to come like the wind, the Spirit is. You can't see it. You don't know where it's come from or where it's going. But you can feel the effects. That's how you're born again. You change, and there is an effective change in your life that God does by placing his spirit in your heart. That's why in Corinthians it says we become new creatures. You know, old things are washed away. We become new in him. Born again, filled with the spirit, and the spirit starts to affect your life. He goes on to tell, as he talks with Nicodemus here, because Nicodemus is still stumped at this. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Oh, my Lord. So God loves us with his type of love, not earthly love, but a love that comes straight from his character. Love is who he is. And John tells that God is love. There is no shadow or variance in God. There is no evil in God. There is no lying in God. That's why when he gives us the Holy Spirit, he calls it the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to lie to you. Because he's light, he's not darkness. He's love, he's not hate. He's pure. He's not immoral. And that's why God created us in the beginning to be in his image, to have the moral image of God. And boy, and sin changed that drastically, didn't it? It changed it so much that Nicodemus could not understand what Jesus was talking about. God loving us so much that he gives us his son. God loves us so much knowing that the human race is going to perish. He loves us so much, he does not want us to perish. So I'm going to send my son. Not only will we be redeemed and loved by him, but we'll be changed by him. I love it so much that Jesus Christ just didn't save me, but he changed me. And he gave me hope. And he gave me a desire to follow him. And he worked the effects of the Holy Spirit like the wind, and I've never seen God, but boy, have I felt him. And I've seen the difference that he makes and the promises that he has fulfilled. And I know he shall continue to fulfill every single one. It's not a life of simple faith without feeling. It's believing and sensing the Holy Spirit who also convicts us of our sin and convinces us to continually to turn towards him as we wander along our way. 
Because the enemy continues to try to take a sheep like you and I and get us to go our own way rather than his way. That he's leading us by his spirit. The ability to love. And God loves in a manner like no human being loves. He loves because he is love. It has nothing to do with the object of his love. It has everything to do with him. Please listen carefully. Love has everything to do to be like God. It comes from him. We as human beings love one minute and can hate the next. We can be kind one minute and cruel the next. Inconsistency rules the way in our lives, but that is not his way. So when it's love, when God asks us to love, he says, I want you to love the way I love. And I love because it's who I am. There's no other way. So we as Christians, filled with his spirit, the ability to understand that, yes, he is God. And why, how does it give us a son? What a miraculous thing. Give us a son who's done nothing wrong. But because of who he is and the way he loves, I get the benefit of it. And of course, God has his way in that he created us and wants to fellowship with us. And you've heard it before, shared from the pulpit, how for the joy set before Jesus Christ, endured the cross, despised the shame for the joy set before him. And I firmly believe that joy was much more than seeing Bruce saved. It was that he could fellowship with me. That I could be brought into his family, adopted into his family. That I could understand what his father was talking about. That I could be like him. And he was looking forward to that while he was on the cross. He believed the father had raised him from the dead. He believed people would accept him as Savior, have their lives redeemed, receive his spirit, follow him, be his disciples, share his gospel, make their way to heaven, and rule and reign with him for an eternity. And I believe that with all my heart. And it molds and shapes what I do when I will do it and make that choice. Or do I try to stand, understand in earthly terms, in earthly ways? And Jill knows how many times I told her, we were married five years before I became a Christian, and we would get into it, and um, I was loving sometimes, and um, then not loving and the reason sometimes I was not loving him because things didn't go my way. And uh, my little universe evolved around me um, and what I thought was fun and enjoyable and, and that. And Jill will say she'd had enough of this. And when she realized she couldn't beat me up because I was bigger than her, although she attempted once, uh, she would leave sometimes and then come back because her parents wouldn't let her come back home, thank God. And... Uh, and every time she'd come back, I'd say, oh, I'm glad you're back. I'm going to change. It wouldn't last a day because there'd be two football games on that Sunday afternoon. And she'd want to go out and do something like look at puppies. And, you know, I wanted to see full-grown men just beat on each other and then dance around like they've done something wonderful for eternity. Because um, that's the way I was. You see. And I couldn't do it. And I don't know about you, it scared me on the inside, even though I wouldn't admit it. I knew I didn't have the ability to do it day in and day out. And I was lost. Jesus goes on to share with Nicodemus like this. And Nicodemus is confused. What do you mean, the wind? What do you mean, the effects? Things I can't see affecting me. He says, how can this be? And so he continued on about telling him, you should know this. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm speaking to you. I have spoken to you. I testify to you. Nicodemus, I'm testifying to you the things that I've seen. I've been in heaven. I'm the son of man. I'm the only one that's seen the Father. And I can tell you about his love. I can tell you what he is like. But you just don't get it. You're thinking earthly. You've got to be born again. The power of the testimony 
the power of the word that changes people's lives. As Nicodemus saw Jesus teaching and doing miracles and asked, you've got to be from God. Are you from God? And so it is with our life. As God works within us, the power of speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the power in our words of the testimony of Jesus, that he has affected us, that he has touched our lives, and he continues to touch our life every single day. And as we live it before people, are you from God? The way you live, is that God in your life? Being able to, does God really love us like that? Do you really love God like that? Through all the circumstances in your life, do you do? I've had that happen to me in my life, and many of you have. We are supposed to be that light, not supposed to be under a bushel basket. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. People should see a difference of God's love that they receive from us, not deserving any of it, not earning it, not being nice people, not being nice to us, but just because of who we are and what God's done in our hearts and how he lives there. The power of a life, the power of a testimony. And I've got two brothers in the Lord here that are coming out, Frank Soper and Marvin Robinson, who are both born again. Jesus Christ has changed their life. Jesus Christ and his spirit has affected them and changed them. And they can speak to you. They can testify to you like Jesus is testifying to Nicodemus. He said, I've seen God. I know him. This is what he's like. And so I've asked these men to share briefly testimony about being born again and how God and his spirit has affected them. Frank? Y'all bear with me just a second. I, uh, I see this many people in church, and uh, ex-Catholic, I think we're going to play bingo. <laughs> uh, I am an ex-Catholic, 55 years. Uh, growing up, I never heard much about born again. Uh, I went to church. My, my mother made us do that. Uh, we said our prayers. We thought we lived good Christian lives. Uh, and as years go on, we, we continue to do that. And and I was okay. Shortly after me and Diane married, her granddad came over to see me. Strong Christian, elder in uh, one of the biggest Baptist churches in town, to talk to me about uh, born again. And I told him, I'm okay. Uh, I go to church, I pray, I help people. I don't lie, steal, or cheat. I'm all right. And I really thought that, and that went on for years. One night we had a friend and uh, John at our house and we were talking about uh, the Bible and salvation. And I, I remember John saying, you have to be born again. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your savior, invite him into your life and you've got salvation. And I said, I'm okay. I, I live a good life. I, I, I do what I'm supposed to do. But that stuck with me that time. Uh, and years later, in this room, uh, Pastor Ronnie gave a sermon, had an altar call, and said, if you need something prayed for or salvation, come forward. Uh, I was still okay. And when the music started, we stood up. Uh, the Lord said, you need to do that now. And I did. And Pastor Bruce prayed with me. And I felt a peace that I'd never felt in my life. Uh, I didn't understand it, uh, but my life changed, my attitudes changed, my heart changed, how I looked at the world changed. Uh, and I had peace that if I laid down that night and didn't get up that morning, that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Amen. I didn't have that before. Uh, I was a good man, but I've been a good man in hell for eternity. Mm. So. Uh, by no way am I a preacher in any shape, form, or fashion, but I can tell you if you're looking for a peace that you don't understand or to know that your salvation is taken care of, it's a short walk down here. And I'm supposed to introduce this gentleman, uh, and I'm going to give you a little history before I do. I met this man 20 years ago. He transferred to Nashville from Detroit uh, with Yellow Freight System. He was a teamster. I was management. Uh, when, we, when, we got, 
When we got into freight business in the late 60s, early 70s, the uh, Teamsters Union was the biggest, strongest, toughest union in the country, uh, end of the Jimmy Hoffa era. And you had to be that way to survive day to day in that world. Uh, you couldn't be thin skinned. This man wasn't. He never backed down from anybody. Uh, I saw him take a man, throw him up against the wall in the break room because he called him a company scab, told him to slow down, he was working too hard, made everybody look bad. Marvin didn't do that. He didn't believe that. He believed in the old adage of fair day's work for a fair day's pay. You that know him today know a rededicated man, a big, soft, gentle, loving guy with a smile on his face and a kind word for everybody. In just a second, he's going to talk about the last few years of his life. Please listen. You probably won't ever see a better example of how our God loves us and is willing to carry us every day of our lives. Amen. And I'm honored to introduce my friend, my brother, Marvin Robinson. Thank you, Frank. I lost my first wife in uh, 2006 to a brain tumor. I was married 38 years. And I promised Frank that I would come and give him five Sundays. And I've been here ever since. And I met this beautiful woman. Her name was Darlene. And we got married. And 2010, my mother passed away. And about five days later, Randy passed away with a massive heart attack. And 2011, uh, we went to Vanderbilt and they told Darlene that she had a, a, a legion on her liver. And it was cancer. And we went to all the appointments. In February the 3rd, we stayed all day at Vanderbilt. And we went home and she called that afternoon to see how some of the tests were. Her sugar was high. They called us at uh, 10.30 at night and said they had a liver. She was very, very happy. And she was on a transplant list for 10 years. She went to this church for a long time. And uh, she passed away February the 11th. And I went in the hospital right after that. I've been in the hospital five times with infections and stuff like that. They said my ulcers wouldn't heal because of diabetes. And once they cut my leg off six weeks ago, I went to a rehab home and they told me I'd be there two, two months. I was there for two weeks. And then they, uh, they took me back to their doctor. He wanted to run tests on me to see how much sugar was. And I told him there was no sugar. God took care of the infection, the sugar's gone. He wrote a letter to my daughter and told her the, that he thought I was right, the sugar's gone. Amen. So Amen. God has been real, real good to me, and, and the church has been real, real good to me, and I thank God for everything he's done to me. Amen. And you're getting your leg? When are you getting your new leg? I'm getting my new leg in five weeks, and I'll be up praising the Lord, and before you know it, I'll be driving going where I want to go. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I am speaking to you, I have spoken to you, I testify to you of the effects of God. I've seen him, I've been to heaven. Frank's been on a number of mission trips with us, and I've seen Frank get on an airplane when there's been a lot of stress within his family, and he didn't know what was going to be happening when he got back, but because God told him to go, he went, and he believed. Um, on this last trip, uh, they asked Frank to speak in the church, and it was the first time, and he told me, Bruce, before I came on this trip, I told God that whatever he wanted me to do, I would do. And he said, I'll speak. And his sermon, that is the first sermon he ever preached, was, we serve a living God. We serve a living God. I think he knows the effects <laughs> of being born again in his life. 
the effects of a living God touching us. And how about Marvin? Big enough to handle any physical situation in the world, but not big enough to save two wives. Mom, son, buried them all. Not big enough to keep his leg. Lost his leg. And yet, Marvin loves God. And the reason he loves God is because God lives within him. He's been born again. He can see that love, experience that love. He can give that love. Okay? And in a few weeks, he'll be up and going. We're believing with that new leg. And he'll be walking around here. And between now and then, if you want to take him to lunch, take him to IHOP. (laughs) So much for my dinner career. Come on, you can do it. You got a leg up on him, so you can do that. Now, you ought to hear what he says. That's why I say that. So, uh, anyway, um, I'm not going to tell you what he said. He was going to get a tattoo on that stump, and I'm not going to go into that. Um, yeah, call him Mark. Now, we, we laugh about this, and we should. It's a form of joy, isn't it? Because he knows God's love, buried his wives, lost his leg, And he knows God's love. And God's love is greater than all of that. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And these men are a testament of that. And many of you out here that I know are a testament to me that there is a God, that God is loving, and that God can pull us through anything. Greater is he that's within me that he's in the world. So we ought to the greatest love of anybody. And people should be able to see it. And people should be able to receive it. Because it's God's. I have no excuse for not loving. Because God lives within me. Will I let him out? Will I let the fruit of his spirit really flow out of me? Or do I want Bruce's spirit to flow out? Because if my spirit comes out, it's going to be an earthly spirit. But if I will join within my Christ and follow him, my spirit with his spirit, it's going to flow out of us like a river, scriptures say. It's going to touch people. And we can love them because the love resides within us, not because they are lovable people. Because there wasn't a lovable person on the face of the earth when Jesus was nailed to the cross. Our God is a jealous God, and that's part of what comes in the package of his love. And Exodus tells us that. When they started to go after other gods and do idols, my name is jealous. I'm jealous of anything that comes between me and you. I'm a jealous God. Discipline comes with God's love. And Hebrews tells us he disciplines those he loves. Oh, Lord. So the difficult things that God allows in our life that is disciplining us, will we see that as a loving God? Or do we want want to act like children or teenagers? Like I do. I don't know about some of you fathers, but there were times when I would talk to my teenage daughter and I'd say, Jess, uh, things aren't going to be going this way. We're not, we're not doing that, just like this. And she would say, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> okay, let me try this. Of course, this would make her mad. Okay, Jessica, I don't think. You know, and I was doing it on purpose. That was a real spirit of the Lord on me, wasn't it? <laughs> And I'd say, I'm trying, God. But, but that was her way of trying to get her way. Dad, you're yelling at me, and you shouldn't do that because I want to do my way. 
Um, because in my spirit, I was thinking, you want to hear me yell? This is not yelling. I can yell for you. <laughs> uh, and all the time, you see, there's that the Holy Spirit and my spirit doing these things. Of, Lord, how do I say this? What do I do? And basically, the Lord is saying, you're going to have to speak the truth and just stand there with it and do it. And do it through him. God's love does involve discipline if we'll receive it. And God's love is great. It says here that God does it because he doesn't want anybody to perish. But that tells us if people who don't believe, they will perish. My sister-in-law, who is not a believer, uh, and vacillates between believing or being an atheist and all these kind of things, has said to me before, and you guys have heard it, oh, God's a loving God, nobody will be sent to hell. And I go, you're not informed correctly. <laughs> you don't know the Bible. Or you're taking scriptures and just tear those pages out of your Bible. Oh, yeah. God will let you go. It's your choice. Your choice. I did this. <laughs> You've heard me talk before about a gentleman I've witnessed to for years now. Rough guy, and he's become my friend. And... Uh, a couple years ago, we were having lunch together, and every now and then, he'll give me this little window to share Christ with him. And we were eating, and he said, I'm not afraid to go to hell. And I know there's going to be a lot of people there with me who think that they weren't going to go to hell. So I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to go. And I just looked at him, and I said, you ought to be very afraid. You ought to be real afraid to go to hell, because you'll never see God again. It's eternal. And he got real quiet and then started talking about something else. And then last year he told me, and we were having another discussion, and he was asking me something about God and that. And he said, Bruce, I'm asking you this because I know you won't lie to me. And I went, oh, Lord, Jesus, i got to do better. <laughs> Because if this man really believes, I won't lie to him because we've had these intermittent conversations over the years about Christ and eternal life and about forgiveness and about being born again. Um, and I've told him the truth every single time. And he's never backed away. He's gotten real close to giving in. In fact, he started to attend church again, and I'm thrilled with that. But it's that spirit of truth inside us that speaks the truth back and the truth about the world perishing. But they need a witness. They need somebody speaking to them. They need somebody testifying to them. They need to see somebody whose life is affected by God and living it. Somebody who will love them and they don't deserve it and they know it. Somebody to be kind when they're treated rudely. Somebody who would just go, Jesus is the answer. Because we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of salvation. And we too, like our Lord, don't want any to perish, but to know him. So we live it, and we have the ability to live it, to walk with him, to be able to fulfill the commandments as he asks us to love others, to be able to love our families, to be able to love our neighbors, to be able to love other believers, and to be able to love our enemies. Those specific things that I don't have time to go into today, God asks us to love all of those people. And we can't do it with a human love because it won't stay consistent. We do it because the Spirit of God lives within us, and I'm going to love you like God loves you. And Lord, it takes everything I got to do that. I really do have to die to myself to be able to live this, Lord. I really do have to pick up the cross daily to be able to love like this, Lord. Lord, I really do have to forgive you, get your forgiveness every single day. Lord, you really do have to wash my mind with your word. Lord, you really have to take in my broken and contrite heart and heal it that I might lead sinners to you, Lord. Lord, you've really got to order my steps. Lord, I can't see you, but I have to be affected by you, and I am. And Lord, my testimony is great from many years ago getting saved, but Lord, I need testimony today. You are affecting me today. And therefore, Lord, I yield my life to you again and say, change me. 
remake me according to the image of your son, Lord, that people will say about our lives, is that God? Do you do that because of God? Do you live that way because of God? Are you giving me this because of God? And we say, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Because the living God has touched my heart and changed me. But it takes a yielded servant, an ongoing walk with God, being refreshed over and over again. And so just as God sent Jesus, Jesus tells us, John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. One of the things that I noticed in my life and in other born-again believers' lives is they start to live differently and they start to live with a purpose. They know that they have been sent. They know they have a message from God. They know they've been touched and they want others to hear this message and be touched also. And that happened to me and it still happens to me. And any time I drift away from my purpose of sharing and living for Christ, I end up in a real dry place, and I end up in my own efforts in my own ways, and I fail. I'm supposed to be sent the way Jesus was sent, filled with the Spirit, being directed by God, saying the things that he heard from God and that he saw from God. And so it is for us. People should be able to plainly see it. In verse 21, let me read again in the third chapter. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, and so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. In other words, Jesus is saying, the way that we live should be a way of light. And of course, we know that Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the light. And he was the light, and he was the door. And there's no other way to heaven except through him. None, absolutely none. And so he said in that, and that we have the light of Christ, we have his spirit within us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit called the spirit of truth, the spirit of comfort, the spirit that convicts us when we disobey, and that lives within us. And following that spirit, the spirit of God should be so plainly seen in our life that people say, that's done through God. That's what the scripture says. And that's not glory for man, but we sure get the joy, don't we? And the peace that goes with it. To live a life that is plainly seen. We're not secret Christians. Our lives are supposed to be plainly seen that it's lived through God. In the ordinary, everyday things. A life like my daughter-in-law a few years ago who was at Kroger's and the cashier admired her purse, and she picked up a Kroger bag and emptied her favorite white purse into that Kroger bag and handed the cashier the purse and said, Jesus told me to do this. That's simple. That's every day. And then we have Marvin, who is such a witness to us of losing his wife, losing his leg, and he just worships God and is full of joy. Jesus tells us that out of us, in John 7, 37, rivers of living water, rivers of living water are going to flow out of our innermost being. And he's talking about the Spirit, he says in that verse, and that it's supposed to just flow out of us like a river all the time, all the time. God never stops flowing. He's still going. Um, but it doesn't happen all the time in my life. And far too often, the flow's not there. You know, obstacles can come into our life, hindrances can come, but a river never stops flowing. Eventually, it'll go around an obstacle, it'll go over an obstacle. Sometimes it goes under it. A river can go underground and pop up miles away, just blowing and going. It's still going all the time. We know that our fountain, our Lord, will never, never stop flowing. His love is eternal. Always has been, always will be. So we're assured of the flow. But what I've seen in my life is that sometimes an obstacle or a circumstance will become so strong or so heavy or so painful 
or so there is no answer, it seems, to this. That the river just seems to flow out of my life and it just dries up and just not there. And when I really look up and try to find the Lord, I find that I'm on the other side of the obstacle. The obstacle is between me and God. And I've let it go there. And so there's no flow. It's all stopped by my sin or something I don't have faith for God to take care of. And I'm disappointed. And there's no flow. And I have to choose to say, what are you going to do now, Bruce? You're going to stay in this dry riverbed and live like this? Just try to make your way to heaven? And no, it's no way to live. And that's not how we're supposed to live. That's not God has created us to live. And I say, God, I choose you. I'm going around this obstacle because I don't want anything between you and me. I acknowledge it's still there. But Lord, I need your flow. I need your spirit. I need your love. And when I go there and embrace him again and are washed over again in my life by the power of his spirit, and I acknowledge again I am loved beyond anything I can imagine. God has plans for me that I can't even plan for. He loves me so much that eventually the flow just overcomes the obstacle. Now, there's still some obstacles in my riverbed, <laughs> and there's bumps that are flying, but it's getting covered by the water. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to wash away. God's going to do something because it's his flow, not mine. What about you this morning? Do you understand that God loves you? To truly understand that, you have to be born again. And as you're born again, you're sealed with his spirit. He gives you that deposit of his spirit. You start to understand God's promises. You start to understand it's his love and not the object of the love. And it'll always be there. You start to feel those effects. You start to live what you believe. You start to have that hope. And you can truly see greater is he that's within me than anything that's in this world. Anything that can be an obstacle, he's greater. And he lives in me. And he's lets in this earthen vessel this river of living water flow out to others that we might show the excellency of his virtue. That's what our lives are all about. Everything else is secondary. Everything else should be covered by the water that flows out of us. I ask you today, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you need to be born again and accept Christ as your Savior. You will understand. If you need prayer because the river has stopped with you, there's an obstacle between you and God that you let be put there. Now's the time to move around it, join back with God, and have prayer or any other need that you have. So if you'll stand with me and those who are going to pray will come forward, this is your time, your time to see the kingdom, your time to be able to be loved with God's supernatural love and to be able to give that love to others. It's your time to be able to forgive and to be forgiven. But most of all, it's your time to be born again if you do not understand the kingdom of God. You will feel the effects. It's your time. Come forward.
encourage everyone who's been born again to let the river of the Holy Spirit flow out of your life, receiving and giving God's love. For those of you who still don't know Christ as your Savior, you still have the opportunity to be born again. That's what Christ is about. Let us go out from this church and share it with others. Let's speak it. Let's testify of it. Let it plainly be seen in our lives. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share your message and to be vessels, Father, for your purposes, Lord. So flow, Father. Work within us. Affect us, Father, that our lives may affect others for you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen.